0: Welcome to Ready to Lead, a show that gives you, the leader, tools, tips, and insights you need to grow your team, your company, and yourself.
1: Welcome back to another episode of Ready to Lead. My name is Richard Lindner. I'm your host, and joining me, as always, the lovely, the beautiful, the talented, the ever smiling Mister, <laughs> aka Coach Jeff Mask. Jeff,
0: thank you so much for being here. Quite the intro, and I like. I'm the just going to keep him going. Right when we said hello, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we but got Jeff, good interview mean, today. I love it. Yeah, I
1: love it. Jeff was in in his ever professional way making silly faces at me before we started so <laughs> i blame him for those of you who think that that he's the grown up he was making childish faces faces at me so i'd like to disprove that rumor once and for all let it be written incredibly childish uh, but smart handsome lovely talented again all the other adjectives jeff how's <laughs> line
0: great right. doing well love to be with you i'm excited to be with you all as well today is going to be an epic episode so i'm I, I think this will be one of the most listened, epi- listened to episodes. I'm, I'm calling it right now. I, I hope so. Because uh, I'll tell you, I don't hear a lot of people
1: talking about this. And and, and I looked. I looked for several years because it, it's, it's it's kind of an awkward role that you're put in when you're charged with leading someone that you either already had a, a, a relationship, a personal relationship with, or you develop a personal relationship with. and And I'll tell you, this topic was so top of mind this week because last week we got to see each other that was that was fun we got to meet up Very at the traffic cool. and conversion summit jeff spoke on our founders only stage about well wait for it leadership <laughs> <An> amazing <laughs> session it was it was really cool it's really cool to see other humans in person really great to to connect with jeff but someone that else that i got to kind of spend a lot of time with a gentleman that i was charged with leading someone we brought into our company as as an outside a uh, person that joined the leadership team which is challenging already then he and i developed a, a a pretty close relationship became really really close friends and it was cool as we got to spend the week together at the conference to kind of reminisce but as we were reminiscing one of the things that kept coming up was how much easier our time together last week was and how much less intentional we had to be because we only had one relationship to worry about we only had one hat to wear if you will and that was the friend hat, maybe friend and peer, because this person has gone on to to their own entrepreneurial ventures and, and is having a ton of success. So true peer-to-peer relationship. But really, we got to be friends. And for the longest time, we had to be friends, but I was charged with leading this person. And it was exhausting. And and that kind of that kind of sparked this conversation that we're going to dive into today. So Here's kind of the framework and and the first setup and and, and the way I'll pitch you this question, Jeff. Uh, oh, by the way, Jeff's going to be the one talking about it because obviously uh, I struggled with it and, and probably screwed it up a lot. So we'll see how I screwed it up along the way. But here's when we break it down, right? kind of the old school leadership philosophy that no fraternization with the staff kind of policy thankfully is is no longer the mandate or at least it's it's not present in most modern workplaces today which is good i think that was that was tough it created these like classes of people instead of mm-hmm. just an acknowledgement of organizational hierarchy and who has who is charged with making decisions it almost created a i'm better than you class which was which was tough right and I, and i i don't think that's that 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 was appropriate now right, right? what it did give you was very clear cut rules there was no gray area right if you're a manager if you're a leader and and they are not your peer then you are not allowed to fraternize with them <laughs> right you're not allowed to hang out you can't be friends you can't have a personal relationship we don't talk about things that we now know we need to. It was it was not the best practice, but it was a clear-cut set of rules. So Jeff, where I'm going to kind of ask you first is are what are some guiding principles that leaders should follow today if they are charged with leading someone that they have a personal relationship with or they develop a personal relationship with. And I'm not talking about an inappropriate relationship, I'm just friends. You become friends. You care about one another. Right. What are some guiding principles that can replace that that very black and white, very old school, no fraternization with the staff rule?
0: Yeah, great, great question. Before I answer the question, I'm just hmm. going to set the record straight. Just because I'm talking about this doesn't mean I've mastered this subject and I'm perfect at it. I, I know that probably doesn't need to be said, but it needs to be said, given that I mean, we, we've all got our issues and how we lead. That said, I, I have had to work on this for years and have learned a few things that have been helpful and these guiding principles have helped. So number one, a, a great guiding principle is get to know the whole person, What is their life at home do they have kids do they have pets do they have a partner do they not old school leadership would have said absolutely not under no, no circumstances don't don't do that why because old school leadership was based on methodologies that were in the early 1900s where all of, most of our workers if not all it was a factory line it was the industrial revolution it was it was about literally cogs in a wheel and so learning teach, leading people's hearts and minds was not necessary it was can you do the job or not you're a number in and out now, with knowledge workers and where we are today, especially virtually, if we don't get to know the whole person, it's, it's tough to lead them and understand what makes them tick, what helps them, what motivates them, what drives them, and so forth. So number one, get to know the whole person. And a lot of old school leaders still say, no, it's dangerous. Because as you said, there were some benefits to the old school way of leading. It was very cut and dry. And the, the biggest factor they would lean on was objectivity. You can be very objective when you don't have a personal relationship with someone. So when it comes time to have tough conversations or when you have to let someone go, you don't delay, you don't wait, but there are definite unintended consequences for that. So I would say guiding principle number one, get to know the whole person. Understand though there are caveats to that and there are some pitfalls if we're not careful. We'll get to those in a bit. Guiding principle number two, when it comes to leading today in the modern era is understand what is, and this is going to sound super creepy, but just bear with me. What is their professional love language? There's there's five love languages in, in personal relationships. In the professional world, it's obviously affection and, and physical touch is one of the five love languages. Probably not very effective in a work environment. And... You could be I think that's a, so called
1: that. an HR violation
0: in <laughs> yes, the work yeah. environment.
1: So avoid <laughs> right. that one, replace it with...
0: <laughs> right. And what I would replace with high, high fives and just connections of when you can, which is really hard in a virtual environment. But so those five love, love languages for the curious are, we'll, we'll just start with the first one, physical touch, words of affirmation, quality time, acts of service, and gifts. Why this matters is when it's, it really comes down to appreciation. It's the simplest form of, it, of this. When people feel appreciated, when they feel heard, when they feel seen, when they feel valued, it's amazing what happens with their discretional effort and their ability and desire to sustain awesome results. When they don't feel heard, they don't feel seen, it's like, eh. So get to know that person's way of receiving appreciation and, and validation, versus what we typically do as humans is give praise and appreciation in the way that we need to receive it. It only Mm -hmm. took me 15 years to realize this in my marriage, Though logically I understood it about five years into our marriage when I learned these different ways of communicating appreciation and love, but I didn't really implement until about 15 years in because I'm so wired to just behave the way I want to be treated. The golden rule isn't always accurate when it comes to relationships. If we treat people the way they want to be treated, uh, the way that you would want to be treated, man, I'm slipping up on my words like crazy today. Very often, that's not really what makes them tick. And so it takes a, a significant amount of self-awareness and humility to, to study and to learn what is the other person's way of needing to be communicated to, feel appreciation and, and cared for. So those two guiding principles I find are are super helpful. The third guiding principle is know your boundaries of when to connect on accountability and how to be able to flex on what's needed in the moment to drive the result that's needed and to not let the relationship muddy the water. Frankly, that last reason is why old school leadership was so prominent for so long and, and still is in many people and many leaders because you just Don't feel like you can get results if you become their friend and you get to know them well. So those three rules of thumb, I would say, are good guiding principles. So
1: that last one, I I agree. That was big. Understanding the boundaries of not just when and how to hold accountable, but for me, it was understanding the boundaries of each relationship. So I'm really big on just acknowledging things. I think Mm -hmm. there's power in acknowledging awkwardness ahead of time. And so I'll tell you, just in every aspect of my, my at least professional life, not it'd be weird if it were my personal life, but my professional life, if ever I'm going to begin a new venture with someone that I have an existing relationship, it starts by how would we break up, right? How would we end this? So when Jeff and I, when I started coaching with Jeff, we had a professional relationship with our companies, right? We were strategic partners. And we started that conversation with we want to maintain this relationship. So if this coaching relationship doesn't work, how will we, what would need to happen? And then how would we break up? So when that comes up, we know that it just, hey, this happened. We said if this happened, this is the way we would go into it. Right. Now that's over here. I think if you are going in and you're leading someone you have a, a friendship with or a friendship, true friendship developed because there's a difference between like knowing and, and having a understanding uh, of someone personally and building a building a, a personal relationship with someone. Right. If you get to the point where you've built that personal relationship, it's been helpful for me to do two things: one, to acknowledge that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I've had to have conversations that said, "Hey, we have to acknowledge that we have two relationships, and we have to be very careful not to allow." them to show up at different times. It can Mm -hmm. be to our benefit or it can be to our detriment. Like being friends will give each, it should give us additional aspects of benefit of the doubt. Right. right? However, it could also seem like preferential treatment. We can't talk about things that in a professional setting that other people weren't invited to because that can elevate a status, make it seem like there is preferential treatment or Mm -hmm. something else. That conversation had to happen pretty early on and the way that I like to do things is to to add a visual aspect to it or a physical, like I can see that action happening. So we, I think in hats, right? I'm always wearing a hat, at least since the <laughs> pandemic, but I would al- always talk about, I'm going to put this hat on. It was a great way to acknowledge a transition in mm-hmm. uh, a conversation because if you're friends, you can't say we're not friends from eight to six or nine to five, right? If- you, if Jeff needed worked for me or I worked for Jeff and I needed to talk to him as my friend Jeff, I would, it would be kind of up to me to say, hey, Jeff, I need you to put your friend hat on for a second. Mm-hmm. I just mm-hmm. got a vent. And it would be up to yeah. Jeff to determine whether or not he could at this time. Now, yeah. Jeff may need to say, I need to be very clear about this. I'm putting my CEO hat on. I'm putting my you know, president hat on. I'm putting my, your leader hat on right now. And I'm speaking to you, not as my friend, but as my team member, just the clarity of those roles. When you have a deep relationship is helpful to make sure you don't slip into the wrong muscle memory of, of that relationship. Doing that for me always helped with this accountability part. I would start accountability by saying, Hey, just so we're clear, like I'm going to put my, you know, leader Hat on, and we're going to have a, a professional conversation here, so that you just don't get it miscommunicated. Like, I'm not, right. I'm not having this conversation with you as your friend. Uh, I'm having it with you as your leader.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, that was really, really, really helpful for me as we were as we're talking about these boundaries. Is is clearly setting
0: them right. It's great. I love it. I agree with it 100. percent The same thing can apply, by the way, when you're working with family. A lot of entrepreneurs do that. Even friends do that. And mm-hmm. same, if not more. In, in fact, when I started with the company and my brother was the CEO, when we first started, he said, because we're family, you'll likely receive much less praise and accolades. And, and I said, totally get it. And You'll likely need to work a lot harder. Yep. Totally get it. And then he said, and if you don't perform, and it was kind of this awkward little, little bit of silence, I just and I filled in the blank form and I said, you fire me quickly. And he said, okay, good. As long as we're on the same page. And I said, hundred <laughs> percent, it's gotta be that way. And it was, it was great. You know, starting off the relationship that way in a work environment, what was important for sure. So definitely something to, to consider. And to right now, as you're, as you're listening, going, where does this apply for me? Where do I stand? If there's a pendulum on the very, very mm. far right of this pendulum is command and control. I'm the boss, you're the subordinate, Mm. no personal relationships, and at the very right side and the extreme. The other extreme is we are tight and I've got your back no matter what, and even and probably especially when you kind of screw up, I'll cover up for you because I I got your back, I'm your Mm. friend. Where do you fall right now on that pendulum? And And just painting it that way, I think everyone that's listening can agree, yeah, neither of those extremes are healthy. So it begs the question, yep. how how do you find the balance? And and really, what's more important? Actually, you you posed that question, Richard. We were talking earlier. What I think you, you worded it well before. The two R's, what's more important? Yeah. Well, in business, what's more important? Results or relationships? Uh-huh. And and when we say
1: relationships, <laughs> meaning the relationships with the people that you're charged with leading. Yeah. Right. I mean, but but which one's more important? That's the that's the guiding question that's 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 it so i'll pose that to you in business what's more important results or relationships
0: and what i what i want people to do is google that for fun oh and and watch the data that comes out from that there's a there's a debate in academia there's a there's a debate in in business there's a debate just on in general and there's great data for for suggesting that one is more important than the other and we're talking in in business what's more important results or relationships with the people that you lead and you get all sorts of schools of thought you get much more new school leaders saying relationships 100 more old school leaders saying it's a business at the end of the day let's be real and especially if i'm a public company i've got to report to the street every quarter so Mm. it's all about results but then it goes well, if you don't have relationships, can you have sustainable results? And so on and so forth. To me, it's a bit of a trick question. And the answer is yes. They're, they're, both, they're both important. <laughs> but, but to help help paint this picture, because it's been a bit of a conundrum for a while for me, for many other leaders. And and there hasn't been, in my opinion, a great model that really helps identify why they're both important and really what we can choose to do as leaders. So that's why a while back, we created the four zones of leadership that enable us to determine first to self-identify where do I, which zone do I typically live in? And secondly, why each of the zones are important and why they exist. So imagine if you will, a four, a four square, you've got a two by two, if you will. And on the bottom or the X axis, It's relationships going from the left low to the to the right high. The y-axis, so up and down, is results going from low, bottom to high. So you've got results and relationships, high, low on results, and then low high on relationships, bottom. And so bottom, bottom, low, low. So you got low relationships, low results. I call this the no zone. Very very tricky, by the way. No, I, I purposely use very simple structures and frameworks to help it remind, so it's memorable and applicable. Sometimes models are, sound so cool and they're so academic and mm-hmm. they make us feel smart, but we don't really use them. This is just dumbed down purposely because that's kind of how I roll. So low and low is the no zone. That's just a job, Hardly any connection, little to no value, and it's just kind of do your thing. You are just a cog in the wheel you're just a number and you move on not a lot of connection so the next one and so that's the bottom left square the top left so really high on results and that's the real emphasis and focus to to an extreme and to an extreme low focus on on relationships that is the kill zone this is short-term results this is churn and burn through people where you just cannot keep people on, on on your team very long and you're constantly trying to hire and re, and re, and backfill over and over super expensive and very difficult to create non sustain to to create sustainable results it's very non sustainable but there are some leaders that understand the the trade offs and they know this is a short term job anyway i'm just going to get the top performers for as long as i can and milk them just going to bleed them dry and so some justify that this is warranted and needed, especially in this particular time frame. We're, we're about to raise capital. And so we have to make our numbers look great so that we can get a better valuation. Or we're, we're a public company and we can't afford to miss or fill in, fill in the justifiable reason, whatever that is. It's pretty easy for people to see this kill zone and think, wow, this is super toxic. And man, I don't want to live in that environment. But sometimes for people, the means justify the end and that end is results over everything. So that's, that's one quadrant. Now the third quadrant, this is bottom right where it's high on results, but low on, sorry, high on relationships on the bottom and low on results. This is, wait for it, the friend zone. And just like mm. in a romantic relationship, ain't nobody want to be in the friend zone. <laughs> but not in a work environment. where you want to end up. Yeah, no. <laughs> In a work environment, when there's nothing romantic, but, but we're here as friends, kind of how we've teed up this whole conversation. This is where many leaders end up. They're, they're not quite sure how to hold someone accountable. They, they frankly value, as, as Pat Lencioni says really well, they value popularity over accountability. There's just a need to be liked. And when we're honest as leaders. Many of us, if not most of us, have a need to be liked. We just do. And so we don't want to have that awkward conversation. We want to avoid the conflict. And we, we value comfort with that relationship over growth. But see, it's, it's easy to see the toxicity in the kill zone. And easy to act like the friend zone isn't toxic. But I would argue it's just as, if not more toxic. What's happening in the friend zone is we are acting like that relationship is, is, is more, very important, and we, and we need to make sure they're taken care of. But the reality is, it's very selfish. We care more about ourselves than the person we're leading when we're stuck in the friend zone. And that may have hit a few of you right between the eyes or punched you in the gut when you heard that because the truth hurts. And take one, it takes one to know one. I lived in this zone for a long time, I'm a very relationship driven person and a relationship driven leader. And so I kidded myself and justified that it was more important that they felt good and they were in a good place versus feeling that awkward strain of growth and that accountability. And so I just kind of stayed there comfortably. And maybe I was kind of high on, on the results a little bit, but I still was in that, in that bottom right square. Danger and toxic, that is what breeds mediocrity, apathy, entitlement over time, Tons of entitlement comes out of the friend zone. And so, again, I would argue that the friend zone is more toxic than the than the kill zone because it's much more tough to acknowledge and to, and to recognize. Kill zone, it's easy to see. At least it's pretty overt, right? It's like, hey, here it is. But the friend zone, you hide behind all sorts of different guises in different ways and selfish justifications. So before I keep going, Richard, anything you see or hear that maybe could... Provide a little bit more clarity or any anything to underscore I don't
1: I don't know that it's clarity, but I'll, I'll add a couple of points to the friend zone. The first one is I, I'm an introvert right So mm-hmm. as an introvert, I don't have a lot of surface level like relationships. It's mm-hmm. um, either all in or not that can be very dangerous in leadership because yeah. the way that introverts connect is all in, like inappropriately mm-hmm. all in. If you're going to be mm-hmm. there and you're doing life with me, if you're in my life then you're all the way in my life, which yeah. can can really be dangerous in, a, as a leader, oversharing, building those those friendship relationships. So if you are an introvert, really, really, really Question yourself on which zone uh, of leadership you follow, fall into and look back if you say there are certain people that are in, in in the the friendship zone and there are certain people in the no zone and there kind of don't happen to be people anywhere else, your introversion may be getting the best of you and you, you're you going to need to expend a little bit more emotional energy and effort to build reps to, to fill, well, at least to move people from those two zones up to the top right, which Jeff will talk about next, but know that being an introvert isn't an excuse, right? Knowing your personality traits and saying, well, that's because I'm an introvert. Like I hear that too much in, in every aspect of life. Like, oh, well, that's just the way I am. Oh, well, that's this. Change, right? And, and I'm saying yeah. this to myself as much as I'm saying it to you. <laughs> Sometimes what it, it, two things can be true. It is just the way you are and it's time for you to change. Right. Those can both be true. It doesn't mean that you need to change who you are as a core person, um, and it doesn't need to, doesn't mean that you need to become like two-faced uh, or or two individuals. But different aspects of your life require you to play up different aspects of your personality and who you are. And in leadership, introversion can lead to very difficult relationships and very challenging growth opportunities for the people you're charged to lead. So that's two. You are not alone if you're in if you're in this zone with people by a by a long shot. I remember not too long after the pandemic, we were really into the pandemic. It was post kind of after we, I think, a lot of businesses had started to get their feet under them. Jeff hosted his monthly mastermind meeting with a lot of my peers that coach with Jeff, a lot of people that I, I truly respect and I turn to when um, when I need help for for my peer group and. One of the, the the topics here was about what we're struggling with, and Jeff laid out kind of four options, and one of them was like we, the need to be liked, right? The need to be popular at work. And now we're we're talking every person here is is a founder, an entrepreneur, a CEO, a president, running a, a multi million dollar company. I was shocked at the number of people right then and there who were just seeking approval and to be liked by the people they were charged to lead. So you're not alone. Uh, You're not alone at all if you're in this zone. Acknowledge it and then move out of it. And and then the last thing I'll share, and then I'll I'll let Jeff kind of talk about that other zone, the one we all want to be at is, I think it's helpful when you're you're analyzing potential new leaders or existing leaders uh, or yourself if you're an existing leader. To, to ask back to the level of introversion where do you have your connection is there a place in life where you have connection do you have a strong friend group right are you a member of clubs do you have uh, association outside of your professional life if not introverted or not we will misplace that relationship and try to build it with the people we are charged to lead in the same way that if I'm hiring a if I'm hiring a creative I need to ask that creative, and make sure that they have an artistic outlet. Because a creative, someone who's a designer or a writer, if their work is their art, then I cannot challenge their work without challenging their art, which is challenging them on a fundamental level. Where art mm. is subjective, branding may be also subjective, but the customer decides. I decide, you decide. Mm. Uh, direct response ad copy is not subjective. The response decides. So. If I'm looking to hire a creative, I'm looking to say, where's your creative outlet? And if you don't have one, you can't work here because you'll make your art, your work, and your work, your art, and I can't challenge that. I I believe we need to ask a similar question of leaders. Where do you have your relationships in your life? Do you have strong relationships? Where do you find your belonging and your connection? And if you don't have it, I know you're going to bring it here, and I know you're going to mismanage that relationship and intertwine it and, and kind of mangle it up. And it's right. going to be a challenge, not only for you, but for
0: the people you lead. And that can't happen here. So, and frankly, that's, a l- it, I think it's great. Great additions. Frankly, this is why old school leadership has prevailed for so long because the mm-hmm. pros of it to be a super objective are super strong. It's right? like, Hey, it's either the results there or not. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to mess around with all the soft stuff of, of people and humanity. Like that's, that's for you to manage outside of work. And There's wisdom to that. But as a society evolves and ideally advances and progresses, that's just no longer sufficient as we lead people. It just isn't. And thankfully, COVID completely validated that point that we need to lead the whole person. Okay, so now let's go Mm. to high results, high relationships. What's this called? It's called the end zone. So we go from no zone Mm. to kill zone, friend zone to end zone. End zone is all about Marrying the two results in relationships, which is why I answer the question. They're both important where there is high accountability. There is an ability to address conflict and you get repeatable sustained results. When you're there, you care deeply about the person, which is why you're expecting them to grow and to be their best. You view, you view them for who they can become and you lead them accordingly versus being, you know, accepting mediocrity or accepting, well, you did your best. Oh, they're there. No, when they don't show up and they, they, when they don't do what they say they'll do, you hold them accountable to it and ask why. You're not an idiot about it, but you definitely don't pussyfoot around either. You, you go straight there. And a lot of times when I was leading people and they knew that I was a relationship-driven person, when it came time to actually hold them, hold them accountable, they were a little shocked that I was so direct because, wait, aren't you the high-fiving guy? Aren't you the guy mm. that gives people hugs? Yes, I am because I care deeply about you. And so if you fall, if you come up short, I'm doing you the greatest disservice ever by saying, oh, well, no big deal. No, it is a big deal. You said you do that. And now all of a sudden there's this quote unquote valid reason and excuse why you couldn't do it when it's not valid. Sometimes it is, but for the most part, it's not. We just don't push ourselves. We don't manage time well. We, don't, we, we, we live underneath our means and underneath our potential. And as leaders, that should be offensive. We should look at our people and go, man, no, I know there's more in there than you. And sometimes they can't see it. And that's what we do as leaders. Mm -hmm. We hold a mirror to them to see who they can become. And we paint that picture so powerfully and so personally and so palpably that they're like, man, she sees it in me so much. I, I can't not do it. Exactly. Rise, rise to that occasion and live in that end zone. It's a beautiful thing. And so here's a practical way to use this tool. And by the way, in the show notes, we'll have this tool as a downloadable that you can use and, and, and apply with your team. I highly recommend you use it in two ways. One, use it when you just graph on a whiteboard or something and, and graph results and relationships and do, put blanks. Don't put the four zones. And ask yourself, where do you fall? Which zone do you typically end up? More importantly, ask your team. Let them grade you on it. Hey, what do you think, what, 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 what part, if you were to plot me on this four square, where, where would it be? Then share the vernacular with your team. Share the no zone, the kill zone, the friend zone, and the end zone. Here's why this is so valuable. When you do, they know exactly where we want to end up so that when that moment comes, when you're in the end zone and you're pushing a little bit and you've invested the relationship, you can smile and go, See what I'm doing right now? We're in the end zone. And it gets a little awkward and it's a little bit, but they know it because they care. They know that your motive is that you care and that you're pushing them to be their best and you're not gonna tolerate A minus or B plus work. It's it's only the best and that's how we roll. It's not perfection, but it is progress toward that pursuit of perfection and end zone people, that's where we live and that's how we do it. But when you show this with your team, I'm telling you, it opens up so many conversations a lot of leaders look at me and like, seriously, I don't know if I want to share this. Why? It actually gives you way more permission to have hard conversations, which is what we want anyways, leaders, instead of exactly. it just being doubly awkward. So hopefully this model is helpful for you as it has been for me uh, and many of the leaders that I'm coaching as they use this in their departments and their organizations. It's been great game changing for them, which is the whole point, helping elevate leaders, helping them every day be ready to lead, which is what these frameworks and what these conversations are all about. Perfect.
1: I'll tell you what, where we ended the mastermind call that I referenced a few minutes ago, where so many of us were able to confess that need for uh, being liked at that particular moment, that need for connection, that need for friends, was the realization that accountability is love, right? If we are truly loving and leading, then we are holding people accountability. and, And without accountability, growth doesn't happen. Without accountability, oh. we can't grow the people we're charged with leading. We can't grow our companies. And if we truly care about them, not ourselves, then we must hold people accountable. And if we have to hold people accountable to, to grow them and we're unwilling, then we actually don't care about them. So it's a bit of a paradigm shift, but accountability is love. Accountability is is required for growth. Jeff, thank you so much for for coming on and sharing so many of, of, of your insights and so many just Powerful nuggets and and the, the framework, the four zones of leadership. Again, uh, in the show notes, you can go over and, and download a, a sheet on that and see a walkthrough of that resource and how to apply it. I'm going to challenge each and every one of you guys to take some action. There were a couple of, of, of really great action items in this episode. Plot uh, plot your where you're at in the zones of leadership and start to figure out the professional love language of those people you're charged to lead so that how to hold them accountable and how to reward them and recognize them. Because if without reward and recognize uh, recognition, then accountability is tough. If you're only mm-hmm. criticizing and never acknowledging, that's a difficult zone to live in, speaking of for zones. Sure. All right, Jeff, <laughs> I'm going to pitch it to you for, for the Final thought, last message, any last piece that you want to share before we close it up for the day and move on to
0: next week's episode? There's a reason why leadership is tough. Because we're constantly growing and being, being, trying to be the best version of ourselves. Not to mention that, the people that we're leading, we're trying to grow them. This framework helps you do that. To live in the end zone, to speak that way, and to remember when we lead, it's all about them and not about us. And when our motive is to build and lift and inspire them versus to prop ourselves up, this is when we have that massive shift. And I invite you to really dig deep and to understand what is your motive to lead people. And when it it is truly about them and their growth, it's much more natural, much more sustainable to to live in the end zone versus to hide in the friend zone. So Mm. good luck to you. Go, go do it. You can do it. We can all grow and all improve. We can't wait to hear how you've applied this. Uh, we'd love to hear your feedback. Feedback at readytolead.com. Let us know how it's going. All right. Thank you again. Thank you for
1: joining us. And for those of you
0: listening in, we do this every week. So
1: stay tuned for more actionable advice and, and stories from Jeff and I. And, and we just are so grateful to walk with you on your journey for leadership. Hopefully you join us each and every week as we all get ready to lead together. So until next time, uh, have a great week. Thanks, everyone.
0: Thanks for listening to the Ready to Lead show. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a rating on your favorite podcast platform. And if you want to stay updated on the release of new episodes, be sure to hit that follow button. And Jeff and Richard, they want to hear from you. If there's an episode topic you'd like to hear them dive into, or something about today's episode that was a big breakthrough, or maybe even something you disagree with, they want to know. Send them an email at feedback at ready to lead.com. Thanks again for tuning into this episode. We'll see you on the next one.